Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. On this episode of the Front Office Podcast, Sean and I talk more NBA playoffs, opening week of the NFL season, a couple more predictions, and of course, the Clippers collapse. So let's hop to it. are back. We're joined again by Sean Gantworker. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing a, I had a difficult day, but I have a Marcus Smart soundboard. He's telling me to persist. A lot of stuff I can't mention on the podcast. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, Marcus Smart, um, after game two loss of the Miami Heat, I think he and Jalen Brown are, are on the best of terms and yet the worst of terms at the same time, if that's even possible. I was told to do that. We always knew Marcus Smart was a bit of a... Uh, I think this will be a positive, but for now it's actually uh, fairly entertaining just to talk about. Yes, definitely. So here, here's my question, Sean. So I know that you are Team Cardiac Kimba. Is yep. Kimba Walker... Is he? Should he bear any of this responsibility? Um, I mean, I know he's he hasn't he does. I know that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown has actually more playoff experience than he does. But being a veteran, shouldn't he be able to uh, grab these guys and kind of take them by the horns? Or is Gordon Hayward really miss that much? Well, I think clearly Gordon Hayward is is best. We can't say he's a non-factor because he's he's a contributor. He makes that that bench deeper. He helps with spacing, but even though I am as oh, Sean, your phone died on it. There you go. Act over these last two games, he more than anyone was kind of responsible for that third quarter lull last night that just let basically put him away or weaken him so they could put him away at the end. So it's unfortunate. I mean, you'll still see the effort plays on Kemba where he's in isolations on somebody, puts a move into a setback, and it's unstoppable. But in the past where he had kind of this charmed lifestyle where those shots would fall, they're just not falling. So I think ultimately, depending on what happens, and even if they do actually win the series, he's going to, there's going to be a lot of his name on it, you know, and uh, he, before it's too late, because as much as the high energy, high effort plays count, if he's not just sinking these mid-range jumpers, that's a huge aspect of his game that's just disappeared. You know, I think that Kemba, he, he, yesterday was by far better than game one. Um, game one, albeit a, block, a huge block by, by Bam out of bio on Jason Tatum at the buzzer. Um, I, I, I'm glad Kemba kind of stepped up in game two. I don't know if, if Eric Spolcher, you and I have been, you know, texting on, on the background. I don't know if Eric Spolcher is just out coaching Brad Stevens, but Brad looks like. He's not in over his head, so to speak, because that would be, you know, kind of like discrediting all the things that he's done. But I'm wondering that I think the veteran leadership of Gordon Hayward, I think I'm, I'm going to put it on Gordon Hayward and Kimber Walker as I think Gordon Hayward not being there is huge. 
just as a, a coach on the floor because he's he's Brad's son, so to speak. So he's kind of that coach on the floor. Um, and then Kemba's kind of kind of disappointing me just a little bit because he's not taking those youngsters by the horns and saying, hey, it's okay, we're going to be okay. Even though I'm not in that locker room, I just think that I want to see Kemba be a little bit more uh, um, voiceful, which is probably not even his personality. Yeah, I think definitively we say Kemba Walker is the senior leader on that team. Who else is it going to be? I mean, it's not going to be Enos Cantor. No. <laughs> it's not going to be Hayward simply for the fact that he's barely around those guys for large portions of the season. Right. And that's unfortunate because as you described it, he is basically Brad Stevens' son. Right. Nobody knows the system better than him. Nobody knows Brad better than Gordon Hayward. And we have to remember, a couple off-seasons ago, Gordon Hayward had a decision to where his basketball future lie in Miami. Definitely in Miami. Um, yeah. He is not around when the going has gotten tough. It is unfortunate. I'm sure you wouldn't wish it that way, but it's a simple fact. You know, I, I think that um, I'm, I'm wondering how Pat Riley must be feeling right now, you know, because Pat Riley, when we had our um, initial um, episode one, I think, I think we both might have had Miami in the Eastern Conference Finals. I had Philly winning it, so I can't take credit for Miami going to the finals. But I had them at least going to the Eastern Conference Finals. And Pat Riley and and him just picking up a Duncan Robinson and, and a Tyler Hero. Those two guys are Tyler Hero. It I, he's my hero. <laughs> you know, and and I also. I, I do think that Boston's still going to make a series out of this. I don't think Boston's just going to run away, you know, with their tails between their legs, you know. Um, like, I, I can't see Miami just continuing to pull out, you know, because Boston's having big leads in the third quarter and, and giving those leads up in the fourth quarter. And, and Miami's a very scrappy team. But I just can't see Boston. I see a definitely a different game in game three. I think Boston's going to wipe the floor with Miami. Not wipe the floor, but beat them soundly in game three. Oh, yeah, be a revenge game, whether you believe it's because of the off the court motivations of, you know, Marcus Smart and that locker room coming together, or the fact that the two teams are basically as evenly matched. Their series was remarkable. Even now, games are coming down there. I think the biggest factor now that we're seeing is Miami has forced their pace, literally pace factor right now. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, Boston's out shooting them or efficient from the line and in terms of getting to the line. So what that the frenetic defense that Miami is playing is a lot of stratagems and just wild that's and that's what we talked about. Leader comes into fact because they need to execute half court sets for Jalen Brown to be a little more efficient and they are not getting into their offense because Miami is disrupting the heck out of that. So unless that changes the series, but wherever you were just standing, go back there because your phone just went out on me. Wherever you were just standing 27 seconds ago, go back there. (laughs) I am sorry. Well, uh, I'll just think Boston needs, needs to slow down. Not letting they're obviously playing at a faster they play this frenetic defense swarming and Boston is panicking which is a little unexpected they all have they have them they want to be 
Definitely, definitely. You know, I um, I, I go. Sean, your phone, your phone's really crappy right now. You're going in and out. I'm in Can you? Not really. Let me pause right, this. Cool. So, um, the other thing that we talked about, Sean, was that Clippers collapse. Mm-hmm. Um, I sent you a text. I said, "Do you think Doc can find his way back to Boston?" And so eloquently, you responded, "Only if he buys a plane ticket." <laughs> <laughs> Do you think? Doc keeps his job. I think he will. I don't think he should. Okay. I, I'm going to totally agree with you there. I think that, and I think it's more, and this is what I said in my text back to you. I said, it's in this climate that we're living in, I don't see Doc Rivers getting fired just because of the lack of African-American coaches in the NBA. And not that that should be advantageous to him because it should not be, but I don't think um, that ownership group is going it, to, it, I mean, who else are they going to get? You know, Ty Lue, I think, and like you said, Ty Lue may have just lost out on a job from them collapsing in this, in this series. Oh, yeah. You know. I and mean, there's a reason why all the rumors about Philadelphia are now going towards D'Antoni and not him. This did really a number on his his credibility. And I think you're right. I think there's a lot that factors into this. For one, Doc Rivers, from all accounts, a great, great man, Mm -hmm. well-respected guy throughout the league. He is, uh, for good or ill, probably the senior black coach in the league. Yeah. Just in terms of respect and the gravitas that position commands. Definitely. I totally agree with you there. When there is, you know, a social justice scandal, when there is... A movement on the streets. We ask Doc Rivers for his opinion. Yep. And that carries a lot of weight for these young guys. Um, unfortunately, I don't think he has distinguished himself as one of the uh, more up-to-date modern head coaches. Mm-hmm. I think in a lot of ways his style has, has gotten out, outdated. And the simple fact of the matter, the Clippers have reconfigured their team about three or four times for him. And they've never gotten any closer. And so while I think because of the history of the Clippers organization, and frankly, a lot to be said about the still lingering wounds over Donald Sterling and the racial dynamics that emerged from that, they will not get rid of Doc Rivers. And I think ultimately they will still be a successful team. They're too talented not to be, but I do not see this team getting over the hump under his leadership. And frankly, with this roster configuration. You know, them getting rid of all those picks for Paul George and then to see Paul George standing on a dead eye Corner three, by himself, hit the side of the backboard. Like, I can do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can do that all day. And you do it for a lot less money, too. And do it for a whole lot, $17.12. That's all I mm-hmm. need. Yeah. You know, I think that, and Kawhi, you know, some were saying that his legacy is still intact. And, and I think it kind of is. But Kawhi needs to be a little bit more aggressive. Kawhi needs to be... You know, uh, I think he's equally to blame as Doc Rivers and Paul George because they're set with their team. They're, that's $70 million tied up into those two guys with no pa- draft picks coming at all. I, I think so, too. I mean, I don't believe Kawhi needs to be that rah-rah guy in order for this team to succeed. He's never been a vocal guy, mm-hmm. and he's always been great at basketball despite of it. You know, that's not a huge factor. Right. But he does need to take responsibility because he basically helped assemble this Clippers team 
and in doing so dramatically weakened their their current and their future yeah um how much better would this team look with um with with shy on it right now right with Gilgis Alexander, how much would it be better knowing you're going into this draft with some picks to shore up some spaces? How much better would it have been if you hadn't given any more picks for a Morris twin right. just so you could what? So you had the other Morris twin when you inevitably faced the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals? That's all it was. Well, it was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, it was absolutely highway robber- robbery, and congrats to the New York Knicks for finally winning a trade. But <laughs> it, it's, it's a debacle there, and unfortunately, Kawhi had himself two perfect situations he could have been um tim duncan's inheritor yep he could have been the face of that franchise and he would have been they would have you know elected a statue erected a statue for him outside the alamo yes he could have been a spur for 15 years he didn't want it he went to toronto he became their hero he could have been a legend yeah he still will be but he could have had a dynasty there the fact is that team is still good is frankly still a couple moves away from probably getting back into, into the Eastern Conference Finals. But instead, he subverted them, he talked badly about the roster, and he pushed his way out. And now he's in Los Angeles, he's got the bright lights, and unfortunately, he did not step up where it mattered the most. He did not play his game, he disappeared. And the fact is, we're too busy making fun of Paul George to realize that Kawhi was just as much of a disappointment and just as much of a factor in that team losing. I have a trade for you. Bring it. Paul George to the Golden State Warriors for Andrew Wiggins and the number two pick. I mean, if Paul George is the player he's been recently, why not? You know, it gives he, he there's no pressure on him. He can be the third option. He'd be the greatest third option probably since Chris Bosh. Um, and the Clippers can get Wiggins. Uh, still a young guy. The money's going to match. He'll play the role with Kawhi. And they'll get a number two pick where they can go get a big, like a Wiseman or something like that. Because Jokic had his way with Harrell. I don't care what anyone says. He had his way. And not that Wiseman's going to do any better as a rookie. But you need a little bit more length. You need somebody that can step out there. Because Jokic was, was running the point guard. He was grabbing Honestly, the Honestly, re- I'm not sure Wiseman could do much worse than what Harold did that series. Right, exactly. You know, um, Or even uh, on the, the kid from USC. You, oh, Gonku? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, he's going to be the real deal. He fit in great in that, with that team. And, and I think that you, 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 Denver's going to be a problem. And when they, when they made the trade uh, of Gilligas Alexander, I mean, not the trade, when they made the draft of Gilligas Alexander, and then they had that next pick, and they took Jerome Robinson. I said they should have taken Michael Porter Jr., you know, but they didn't. And I think now you get Paul George pretty much for that. I think that that's going to end eventually end up biting them in the end. And I didn't realize really until this season. I saw a little bit of it, Oklahoma City, but just how much that leg injury changed Paul George's game. Mm-hmm. He is a different player. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the past, he could cut, he could slash, he could dive to the basket and rim run. And he was basically unstoppable Unstoppable because at any minute, he could divert and shoot a jumper. Now he's just a jump shooter. Yep. Occasionally, he'll, he'll still show flashes, but consistently, he cannot give you the same level of basketball he could give you three or four years ago. Not at and all. And he's just turned 30. Right. And that's unfortunate because now he's basically pitching himself into having an identical skill set 
as Kawhi Leonard, except he's not half the player Kawhi is. So he's a redundancy. And if you can replace him with Andrew Wiggins, who still won't play defense, but frankly, Paul George hasn't been playing as much defense as he would have liked, mm-hmm. but will still give you volume scoring, but also simply give you the flexibility of having that second overall pick right. and just supplementing this team that's well over the tax and has committed an insane amount of money to Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, and kind of, honestly, Ivica Zubac, too. So right. they need flexibility. And whatever happens, happens. You just got to pull triggers on some on some hard decisions. And even if that, and and you know what, even with that two pick, even if if Zubox is your center, you, if you're going to pay Harrow, I don't know, you still need a point guard. So Lamelo's sitting there as well. So the Clippers can make some moves and still stay very relevant. I yeah, I mean we we discovered the weaknesses of counting on Patrick Beverly and Lou Williams to run your point. Right. Uh, they're primarily bench players. I give Beverly actually a little more credit in terms of executing an offense, and you can't um, discount his defense, but they didn't have guys who could create plays off the dribble when it mattered the most, or really, most importantly, create shots for other people. Uh, they have never been assist guys. You know, Beverly averaged 3.6 this year, Lou almost 6, but that completely disappeared in the playoffs. And these guys can't get the balls to people who matter most. And frankly, that's all LaMelo Ball does. So he's a decent option, too. They just got to make changes. I think that's both yours and I's conclusion that it's like uh, that song Closing Time by uh, Semi-Sonic. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Exactly. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, I think that um, the Clippers are going to – I don't want them to find themselves in the same um, situation that they were in Lob City, giving a bunch of guys big contracts and just not getting over the hump, you know, um, because I think that that's going to tarnish Doc's legacy. And and this this loss actually put a nice little dent in it. Next year is going to be the year you either, if he doesn't at least get to the finals, you know, or at least to the Western Conference finals where they haven't been ever in their 50-year history, you know, something has to change. And it's just crazy, though, because this was their year. This was definitely their year. I mean, the Warriors the Warriors were not a factor this year. Mm-hmm. They got the, the Spurs were not a factor this year. Mm-hmm. The Grizzlies are about a year away. The Suns and the Blazers, and frankly, the Mavericks are probably about a year away. And the Clippers' timetable basically required them to prove themselves this year by making the finals yep. and then allowing whatever, you know, prestige came from that to maybe attract some ring chasers. And now they are in deep trouble because they are severely wounded. The Nuggets are feeling themselves right now, and I see no reason why that team won't be even better next year. And they are almost in a Rockets-like situation where they have handcuffed themselves around pieces that are incredibly talented individually but do not fit as a team. Definitely. I think they are the Rockets. I think they are Lob City all over again. It just sounds so familiar. You know, the thing about Lob City, they were the they were supposed to win the championship year after year until they hit until the Warriors just snuck up on them and just punched them in the face. And it looks like that's what Denver's gonna do as well. You know? Well it's ironic with Lob City where all they ever needed really was a dynamic wing. Mm-hmm. And they desperately tried, you know, Alfarika Minu. They tried drafting Bullock, and it never happened. And now, with the Clippers, a couple years later, they have a same glaring weakness of simply a point guard who can generate shots. And it's yep. like we give all this credit to Jerry West and that brain trust in the front office. But if they're going to keep assembling teams that can be game planned like this, 
well, it speaks to a certain inadequacy. Yep. You, um, I got another a free agent move for you. Okay. Toronto Raptors, Raptors should go ahead and re-sign DeMar DeRozan. Ooh. Let him opt out of this year and just go right back there. You can get Serge and Gasol at lower contracts, and you just bring DeMar DeRozan back. And they, he'll be hungry. And Toronto, that's all, they would embrace him back. They would love having DeMar DeRozan back again. I think that DeMar DeRozan should go back to Toronto. I think so, too. I think we um, were eager in this new era of basketball to be angry at people who are very good at multiple things. You know, everybody needs to be a Swiss army knife of a player. And we now discount people who can, for instance, shoot or score. Mm -hmm. Guys like Rudy Gay and DeMar DeRozan, who, yeah, there's deficiencies throughout their game. But when you rely on them to do what matters the most, putting the ball through the hoop, they can do it. So the Spurs have been collecting those guys recently and letting them prove themselves as winning basketball players. And I think... While it might not be in DeMar's best financial interest, opt out of $28 million, I think Toronto would embrace him. I think being next to his best friend, Kyle Lowry, would do wonders for him mentally. And I think we've discovered that you can't necessarily rely on guys like Pascal Siakam to be scorers, but supplementing that length and that defense with a guy like DeMar would would be fantastic. So I'd be all on board with that. I'd really like that. Definitely, definitely. So Lakers-Denver game one coming on soon. Um, I think Denver's going to pull out game one and, and some just because they're just, just hot right now. I want to see Bowl Bowl get a little bit of play time because I think his length can kind of expel Jokic, you know, and, and Plumlee. His length can, can kind of play with JaVale a little bit and kind of stand out there with Anthony Davis a little bit. Not, not saying that he can stop them or anything like that, but just that length right there, that 7-2 length, and it, it might be necessary for, for Denver to, to go up against those big guys because I can see Dwight Howard really doing something great this series just because he knows that this is his opportunity to kind of, hey, Jokic just killed the Clippers. He's not going to do that to me. You know, it would be nice seeing Dwight rise up to a challenge like that. And I, I heard um, I heard Stephen A. Smith the other day say that Paul George is the new Dwight Howard, and I just want <laughs> I, I just want Dwight Howard to kind of take that as a challenge to say, uh, no, Dwight Howard's the new Dwight Howard. I mean, why not? If he's ever had the chance to prove himself, due to the burden of low expectations, it's it's now. Nobody is relying on Dwight Howard to be the man anymore, and he's had a pretty good year. He is no longer the dominant Dwight Howard, but he's found a nice place in this in this uh, structure Frank Vogel's created. And being able to even put a dent in what Jokic has been doing would be absolutely to his credit. And, I mean, we're seeing right now that in the three non-bubble games that the Lakers-Clippers played together, Howard was a factor. He wasn't a huge factor, but he averaged seven seven rebounds in about 20 minutes per game. Jokic still got his, but he still he struggled from the field a little bit. And that's to the credit of that storming defense Vogel plays and those bigs like McGee and Howard who, who can be used to double them. But I'm done doubting the Nuggets. <laughs> I, um, I thought that they would be trounced by the Clippers and they thoroughly embarrassed me and embarrassed everybody else. And I'm seeing online 
and I don't know why I spend so much time online, but hey, it's a sickness. Yep. People writing the nuggets off, and I think it's incredibly stupid. Because I think we're seeing a team that's figuring out that they're very, very good, similar to the, what the Miami Heat are doing. And you never want a young team to realize that they're better than they think they are. Right. Because that means they're going to start surprising you. That's what happened. I, I told my buddies two years ago, I said, the Nuggets are the Warriors before the Warriors started winning. And the Nuggets, as soon as you give a young team that kind of, of, of exposure and that kind of confidence, the sky is the limit. you know. And I can see Denver, you know, next year Denver is going to be ridiculously scary. But I can see Denver really putting some fear in the Lakers. And it can go seven, and Denver can end up winning that. I think so, too. I don't think it would be a huge shock for the Nuggets to win this. Right now I have the Lakers winning in six, but I don't want to call anything declarative until I see these teams actually play each other. Exactly. And what the matchups actually looks like. My X factor right now is going to be Michael Porter Jr. Because mm. I think he, I think, and I mean, everybody knows this, but he's going to be something special. Yes. Now that his back appears to be uh, healthy, he is showing me the same kind of signs that actually Paul George did his rookie year with uh, Danny Granger right before he was ready to kind of assume that mantle. Right. I'm seeing the growing pains, but the signs, the good signs are far outweighing any of the negatives. And I think we could really see Michael Porter swing some of these games because that dude likes a challenge. And the fact is, for a guy who people thought was going to be the next Kevin Durant and maybe the next LeBron James, he's playing the LeBron James. Yes. So if anything's going to get him to lock down on defense a little bit and earn some minutes for Mike Malone, it's this matchup. I'm, I'm gonna... So I could really see him coming in and just punching the Lakers in the mouth because Kyle Kuzma's fine, but he can't match up to a Michael Porter who's playing his best ball. You just took the words right out of my mouth. I think that he's going to look at Kyle Kuzma because Kyle Kuzma is obviously going to get that that um, assignment off the bench, and oh, yeah. I, I can see Michael Porter Jr. saying, "No, Kyle, y'all better put LeBron on me." And and, and who's going to guard Jamal Murray, Rondo? Well, here's what I think. Here's what everybody's saying. They're saying that LeBron James is going to take that assignment when it matters the most. Mm-hmm. And I think we're all remembering, you know, 2011 when he doubled D- Derrick Rose. Right. And basically took Derrick Rose out of all games. Well, Derrick Rose didn't have Jeremy Grant. He, sure he didn't, didn't have Michael Porter. He didn't have Jokic. He didn't have Gary Harris. The fact is, if you double Jamal Murray, he has a good enough, uh, good enough uh, vision on the court. He will find an open man. And then you can't double Jokic. You sure can. So anybody... So anybody thinks that you can just double one of these two guys and completely nullify the Nuggets' offense, you're joking yourself. You're going to basically have to play one-on-one team-oriented defense. And I think the Lakers are well and capable of doing that. But if the Nuggets are, are going to get stuff out of guys like Harris and Grant and Porter, well, I think the Nuggets have more than a puncher's chance of, of hanging tough. Oh, yeah, definitely, because I think Anthony Davis needs to take the assignment of Jokic, and I don't think he can handle him as well. I mean, he was, what, second in defensive player of the year, so here's your opportunity to show the world that they made a mistake, Anthony Davis. And the thing is, I never get the impression Davis particularly wants to. Right. I think he is incredible defensively, but 
I don't think he relishes it. No, he doesn't relish he would, defense. No, he would much rather be spaced out on the on the perimeter and thereby letting him get back on defense more than anything. You know, um, I think he's fully capable of stopping stopping Jokic, but I don't think he he draws that assignment. Unfortunately, I think he's probably going to be on Millsap. And I think Millsap was a huge X factor because it looked like he was starting to wake up at the end of that Clipper right. series. Mm-hmm. He hasn't found himself, but if he does, and Davis is on him, then you have Jokic guarded by you know Dwight Howard and Spacey Javale McGee with the option of just picking apart that defense from the inside. That's why that's why I said Dwight Howard might be the X factor in this whole series because Anthony Davis does not want to guard Jokic from the out of bounds him bringing the ball up you know and Anthony Davis does not want to do that I think Paul Millsap's veteran you know gamesmanship is gonna is gonna prove pretty valuable as well um he he can pull Anthony Davis out and and let Jokic go to work in there and that's why I think Dwight Howard this is this is the time to to become a I mean I think he's a hall of famer but this is a time to be a first ballot hall of hall of famer depending on this series I think so, too. I think Dwight Howard, and to actually a lesser extent, Rajon Rondo, um, this is a time to prove yourself that you're not over the hill. Right. And that you are capable of, of being the guys that you were, you know, a decade ago and, and leading your team past any challenge. And uh, it's not going not gonna to be in the walk in the park. You know, the Lakers shouldn't, I was going to say book their flights now, but, you know, book their hotel stay at the Disney complex. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. So I'm going to say, and, and you're right, it's going to be hard to tell. Game one, I'm going to toss out the window. I think yeah. game three will tell me who's going to win this series. Uh, I, w- I would agree with that too. Yeah, definitely. The, uh, I, I think more to the point, like the third quarter of game three will tell us. Yes. Because are the Nuggets going to be that team that keeps getting down by 15 and then goes on this miracle comebacks? Because you can't necessarily do that with the Lakers because they will tighten the screws. But if the Nuggets can play the play how they've been playing for the second half of these ball games for fourth quarters, I mean, obviously you can. That's kind of an insane statement, but I don't think they can afford to, you know, to, to get down big like they have been getting and be these comeback kids. They just need to play their uh, play their best ball for forty eight minutes. Definitely, definitely. Um, lastly, Giannis was named. Uh, second MV, back-to-back MVPs, and then the all-NBA teams were selected. So the NBA first team was Luka Doncic, James Harden, LeBron James, Giannis, and Anthony Davis. I have no problem with any one of those. I'm so happy that, that Luka was on that first team. I'm so excited to see what Luka is going to do going forward. I'm sure Vladdy's going to continue to kick himself for Marvin Bagley, but we'll see what happens. Uh, <laughs> your buddy. The, <laughs> the second team was Chris Paul, Dame Lillard, Kawhi Leonard, Pascal Siakam, and Jokic. Um, I can say, I can agree with that. You ha- you have any problems with any of those first or second teams? Um, I mean, not particularly. I mean, I think I need to keep reminding myself it's a regular season award. Right. And right. Uh, these guys, the only one you kind of roll your eyes at, really, at least for the second team, is Pascal Siakam. Right. But he was... He was fantastic. Yes, he was. The entire year. And uh, we can't hold that against him. So I'd be comfortable with these first couple groupings. Okay. NBA third team, 
Ben Simmons, Russell Westbrook, Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum, and Rudy Gobert. I am okay with all of those except for Ben Simmons, honestly. Yes. I don't think Ben Simmons should have been on that third team. Um, I, I I really don't think so. But I'm just trying to figure out who else could have been on there. You know, Chris Middleton, that, Brandon Ingram. That, that would be my guy. Right. My guy would be Chris Middleton. Okay. Um, shooting incredibly efficiently. The definitive second guy on the best regular season team. I don't understand how you um, put Giannis first, but then don't think of the fact that that team won 56 games. Right. And Giannis had to have somebody to pass to. So that's the only really glaring exception for me. Yeah, I I would think that Chris Middleton, even Paul George, because it is a regular season um, award, Brandon Ingram, Joel Embiid, even Bam Adebayo, any of those I think would have been ahead of Ben Simmons. You know, I, I um, I think it's somewhat of a popularity contest sometimes. And I think some of those voters are, you know, may have got a call from Rich Paul, (laughs) you know, (laughs) hey, put my guy on. And, you know, but that's the only kind of that's the only person that I kind of disagreed with um, on on that aspect of it. Um, Yeah, it was kind of the way they do the votes um, is a little, you know, backwards, as they say. Yeah. The fact that they kind of accumulate votes uh, depending on positions. And uh, you and I aren't huge believers in it being just, oh, it's a positionist league now. But at the same time, like, when you're splitting certain votes for certain people and not counting votes certain way, it's unfortunate. Uh, and I think Chris Pitt, that was to the detriment of Chris Milton, mm-hmm. who ultimately got 52, you know, 13 votes, 10 second team votes. And uh, it just didn't really work out in his favor. But you look at the other people receiving votes, like, it wasn't particularly close i mean Embiid had 79 but right. like guards like bradley beal was injured but he was sensational oh yeah oh, he yeah. was he was uh, his defense fell off but offensively you can't you can't scoff at anything that dude that did this year so uh at the same time though i don't get too emotional over these things you know i mean while it does the players get pissed off at it because it factors into their wallets of course I can structure your contract and say, if you make an all-NBA second team, here's a couple more million. But yeah. as a fan who can look a little deeper, as, as you do, and I think most basketball fans do, when we're like 10 years down the line and we see that Chris Middleton didn't make it, the NBA third team, I don't think we're really going to hold that against him. No. Nah. Or really hold it to, you know, Rudy Gobert's credit that he made it. What do you think Milwaukee's going to do? Panic. <laughs> I think you're right. They're gonna... I mean, they... um. They are they are in trouble, yes. a, a lot of trouble. They have money tied up to so many different pieces, right. and these pieces, like we said about the Clippers and the Rockets, don't necessarily work together. Definitely. And the worst thing they can do is get is let Sam Presti finesse them into a Chris Paul trade. Right. That's the worst thing. And, and I honestly think that might be the thing they do. But and the it's only unfortunate. the only thing about that is. You get a bunch of picks from Milwaukee with Chris Paul, they're the 30th pick. They're not like lottery picks, you know? That's the only thing. But Giannis still, I don't think Giannis signs that that contract this offseason. I think he goes all the way into free agency the following season. Yeah, I think he rides it out. Yeah. I still think there's probably a better chance he stays than leaves simply because I was around him. I don't claim to be Giannis's friend or know his internal thoughts, but... Mm -hmm. 
I think Milwaukee matters to him more than most people think. Right. The city. I think a lot of people laugh at it, but it, it's a it's his home. Right. When those guys come from from other locations, see, Giannis isn't from New York or Atlanta or Los Angeles. He's from a whole different country, you know, and what we don't see is the fact that Giannis moved his entire family into a small apartment in Milwaukee his rookie year. Right. You know, like he had like six people living in a small apartment for four years. Mm -hmm. He had these incredibly formative experiences. He made incredible friendships with the staff of the Bucks, with with these players. So. I like to think that he wouldn't just chase chase the easy ring. Right. But at the same time, you probably had people with the same kind of temperament I did saying that about Kevin Durant three years, so uh, three or four years ago. So what do I know? Yeah. So I, I think, I mean, Giannis and Chris Middleton are still young. That's a fine one-two piece. Right. But the fact of the matter is that the Bucks have not drafted well for the last four or five years. And DJ Wilson. <laughs> DJ Wilson, how about Damian Ingles? Oh, yes. yes. You know, how about, oh, God, who's the guy from uh, UNLV, the, the forward? Ah. He's, he's, he's over in, like, Berlin right now. God, yes. this is going to kill me. Yeah, what's his but, name? Ah. I'll, but, I'll remember it after, after we finish. Watch. <laughs> but when the people that you've drafted that have produced the most for you are Malcolm Brogdon and you let him go, because you didn't want to play the luxury tax, right. and you chose Eric Butts over him, and Dante DiVincenzo, who I think is going to be great, but I really don't think he's never going to be anything more than a nice, solid producer from 20, 25 uh, minutes a game. You have mired yourself into this, into this, you know, this problem that you can't get out of, and you're expecting guys like Drag- Dragon Bender and Sterling Brown to hopefully improve, and... Mm. I wouldn't put any any percentage in that at all. So they need to start making some tough choices that probably revolve around dismantling small parts of this offense, whether that be getting something for Brooke Lopez and George Hill, basically doing kind of one-for-two player trades and hoping that the depth you get can replace the subtraction of guys of, of, of your role players you got to make your your team deeper by weakening it it sounds insane but unfortunately you just got to hope you start winning some trades you know at, at the end of Rashad Vaughn Rashad Vaughn thank <laughs> Rashad you Rashad Vaughn yes I thought Rashad Vaughn was going to be Latrell Sprewell <laughs> you I, know I mean I did too yeah he, he seemed like the right fit it seems like like John Hammond had a pretty good idea of the team he was assembling, and they had one bad draft, and then started doubling down on these guys. Like, how about Thon Maker? How about Thon Maker? How about Jabari Parker? Oh my God, Jabari Parker! Yeah, see? I mean, I don't hold Jabari Parker against them for two reasons. Number one, definitively, he was one of the top three players in that draft. Yes, but the third player was Joel Embiid. It was Joel Embiid. Yeah. And, and discussing with those dudes from the front office, had they gotten a clear picture of Joel Embiid's foot, they would have drafted him. Right, definitely. They did not have those medical records simply because of the fact that Joel's guys would not send them the records. Right, right. If they could have pulled the trigger, they would have. And they mm-hmm. decided, what with ownership changing, they couldn't afford to make that big a risk. Right. Because so they got Parker, right. and... We thought Parker was something special. Hell, right. I thought he was something special. Mm-hmm. Yep. Let's talk about that, that pedigree from, from, from Simeon in Chicago. Right. Derek Rose, B.J. Wilson, it would have been incredible had yeah. he not Benji. gotten killed. 
Oh, yeah, Benji. How about uh, Bobby Simmons, who was a nice NBA role player exactly. for 10 years? We forget about Bobby Simmons. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that school produces good ball players, and Jabari Parker was a fine ball player until he came to Phoenix for a road game and tore his ACL. Yeah. And from then on out, he could not cut to the basket anymore. He had to rely on his jump shoot, jump shooting, and that was never his asset. Sounds like and Paul. Sounds really, like Paul George a little bit, huh? He's very similar to Paul George, but his game got ruined by injury. Yeah. So I'm never going to talk about Jabari Parker as a draft bust. I'm never going to hold that against Milwaukee because you know what? It happens. Right. But when you're relying on your scouting to predict, to get gems, you know, to get these gems, these guys that are you know mocked, let's say in the top fifteen, mm-hmm. guys like Tom Maker, guys like DJ Wilson, guys like Vaughn that have potential. That only you can see and that doesn't pan out well that's when you start looking like a fool yeah. and that's the reason more than anything that bucks are entering into a year with Giannis with a huge question mark eight point only 8.4 under the tax but about but about 100 million dollars tied up to two to five dudes who aren't Giannis and aren't Chris Middleton right because Eric that Eric Bledsoe they they have to figure no one but like you said you have to get rid of a Brooke Lopez or you have to have someone who, hey, we need a backup point guard. Okay, we'll send you Eric Bledsoe, send us a second round pick and we'll eat some of that contract. You you almost have to tear it all the way down. But then I don't know if Giannis wants to, to get weaker to get better. That's the biggest problem, right? It's just a bad situation simply because of his contract. If yes. you had two guaranteed years of Giannis now, if he takes that Supermax even, which we don't think he will. Nope then maybe you can afford to tinker on the edges with this team, but you put yourself in a win-now situation with uh, a situation that is not built to win now, unfortunately. Right, and and not not this is not a knock on Brooke Lopez, but no one wants Brooke Lopez with three years left and 40. I mean, I'm, that contract's very nice. Don't get me wrong, $13 million a year. But I don't see a team taking a flyer on Brooke Lopez unless they are that close. I mean, unless it's the Lakers or the Clippers. You know, you, it'd have to be a team who just needs that extra big who can who can stretch the floor a little bit. Exactly. Unless you can, you just need to see if you can finesse another contending team out of giving out of giving you depth pieces or second round picks, right? And hope that your scouting staff is strong enough to hit on those guys. Yeah, because um, this this draft is the year that your scouting staff better be on their toes because the you can lose your job in this draft. Oh yeah, you can lose your job, or let's be honest, you can probably make it. Yes, <laughs> um, you can probably because I think this draft, and we'll we'll probably get into this at a later date, and mm-hmm. we've gotten into it before. I think this draft has a lot more gems in it than we're giving credit for. I think so and too. And if you get these guys in the right situation. You'll be just fine. Yes, but they're going to be these guys that are. There's going to be one of these top five picks that's going to flame out all the way. But then there's going to be some of these later rounds. I'm holding hope out for R.J. Hampton for some reason. I just think that kid's going to be amazing. You know, the later round guys, the second round guys. You know, um, Vernon Carey from Duke. Those kind of guys. I just think one of those guys are going to shock you. Oh yeah, I mean, I think if I think a team probably in the early second round is going to get Paul Reed out of DePaul mm. and mm. basically discover that they've got a guy who's going to give you elite rebounding on lockdown defense for about 15 to 20 minutes a night. They're going to slot him into an NBA rotation and that dude's going to produce 
immediately and everybody's going to say, well, we did our mock drafts, you know, we all looked at James Wiseman, we looked at Ogongu, but who's this dude? Well, look a little bit deeper, and that's what we're going to call this draft, the look a little bit deeper draft, because like you said, those guys that were underestimating, you know, the the Baines out of uh, TCU, the Isaiah Jones. Right, Cassius uh, Stanley. Cassius Stanley is going to be good. How about the, whatever team, hopefully it's the right system, gets uh, Poku, Alexis Pokujas, I'm mm-hmm. sure I killed that. Oh, yeah. Whoever figures out what to do with that guy and gets him with the right strength training program is going to have a definitive ball player in about two years. I think that kid, if, if I can see Boston with multiple first rounders as usual. I can see Boston trying to take him. I think that kid, especially when you see Jokic and Nurkic and all those kids coming over from Serbia, you have to almost just take a gamble on him just because of the pedigree, you know? Well, I won't lie. I watched Nikola Jokic completely dismantle um, the Clippers, and selfishly, I I just went on Basketball Reference. I went on all these mock draft sites, and you were look and just look for the next Nikola Jokic. Right. You know, and those guys, you don't just find those guys. Right. I mean, obviously the Nuggets did because yep. they got him in the second round of a draft in which they also picked Joseph Nurkic. Right. So how's that for scouting? <laughs> right. But you look at a guy like Poku, and the numbers aren't there, but he's a projectable guy, right? Yes. We see these passes out of, out of the post. Yep. We see we see uh, what looks like a guy who runs like a freaking gazelle despite... Yep looking like a almost minute ball as stick figure oh yeah and you know and you just see dollar signs when you look at that kid yes you do you get him in the right right weight training you get him in a nice g league team you let him play there for a year like a marcus howard or a uh trey jones or i feel the same way about marcus howard i'm yes. glad you said that Peyton trey Pritchard. jones too trey jones can run an offense oh like, yes he can oh yeah he can we're Trey. just looking for the we're we're too we're too greedy now. Right. Every basketball fan, we want everybody to come in and be these you know these five tool weapons who can do everything. Right. Well, just get a guy who can pass, shoot, and defend. You know. That's why I love Peyton Pritchard. <laughs> I love Peyton Pritchard. Peyton Pritchard too. And for the right team, he could go play on, and he can shoot. He can run a team. You know, Trey Jones, same thing. A Clippers can use him in a second round, and he'd be running their team by the mid by mid season. Absolutely. I mean, let's stop looking for Chris Paul in every draft and right. start looking for Darren Collison. Exactly. And maybe, just maybe, you know, you'll find Chris Paul. But let's not overthink this. Here's another name for you. Why are we like going crazy about Yudoko Azebuke? Oh, he's a nice big out of Kansas. I love that yeah. guy. Why are we going insane out of the two dudes about from Michigan State? Right. Xavier Tillman and um and Cassius Winston. Winston. Those guys, in terms of numbers, what were they supposed to do? Average triple doubles? Like what did they do on the what did they do on the basketball court that we don't like? Exactly. Other than being a little short. Right. That's so, it. That's my appeal, you know, to the crazy world we live in. Yeah, this, this, get good ball players and win ball games. And that's it. That's that's all. That's what you're supposed to do. You get paid to do that. You know, um, if there's a guy that's 
I can grab if I can trade down. I'm a trade down kind of guy. That's just what I am. I, that's what I would do. Hey, you especially know what? In this draft, yeah, especially oh, yeah. in this draft because I can probably get the same guy and another pick next year and get him in the second round. So I'm looking forward to that because you you some guy somebody's gonna make their name in this draft, an executive, uh, and someone's gonna lose their shirt in this draft. Mm-hmm. And you would you are gonna find your perfect situation. Where one guy is going to come in, come into the draft with about one or two picks, walk away with about five or six, the old Danny Ainge's we call it. Oh yeah, and find himself with an NBA team. Oh yeah, you know, in about two or three years. Oh yeah, definitely. That's what Denver's doing. You know, because mm-hmm. with with those guys that they got, so I I can't wait to see it. And let's call it right here. How about Poku? Is this year's Bull Bull? Yes, he is. And watch Dallas get him. Yeah, well, watch it. Watch them put him next to Porzingis and just have the longest, rangiest yep. group of butt kickers of all time. Definitely. Watch Dallas get him, or or you know what? Watch New York try to grab him in the, in the second round. Somebody's gonna take a flyer on him just because they have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I think the teams that can afford to take risks, teams like Washington, mm-hmm. teams like Orlando, who have been like I keep saying, how about Charlotte? Right. Just mire in the mud. Just start gambling. Why not? I mean, and that's, I mean, I'm the guy who just said keep picking great players. So that's, that's the other side of it. I'm a bit of a hypocrite. Why not do both? But take a little risks, supplement that with guys that you know have the tangible numbers and the basketball skills. Just don't try to outthink the rest of the league. And that's what happens. for, For your franchise. And that's what happens. They try to, they try to show that they're smarter than everyone else. You know, like New York has the 20, they have the, uh, they have the eighth pick and then they have the 27th pick at 27. Why not go get him? <laughs> Definitely. Why not? Well, are you going to, are you going to miss out on, you know, Devin Dotson or Daniel Otoru? Like, <laughs> right. Like even, even, a, I mean, I talked to, uh, about a guy like Paul Reed. Right. Definitely. Why not put Paul Reed in a Tom Thibodeau system? Hey, he'd work, and he's a big, nice, nice, nice kid. Definitely. But like you said, I mean, uh, Thibodeau is used to working with dudes like Miritich, and why not put Poku there? Why not? I will. I, I want to see him. See what happens. We definitely want to see what happens. Have you been watching some football? I have. How about my Miracle Bears? Oh Lord! I hey Trubisky. <laughs> I thought Trubisky was going to get pulled, but he. But they stuck with him. Oh my God, Trubisky. He infuriates me, and here's why. <laughs> it would be so easy to hate Mitch Trubisky if he was a schmuck. Right. If he was like Baker Mayfield right. or even like Cade McNown for Bears fans. Cade McNown. Oh, Lord, the UCLA so guy. Oh, my God. I'd be so happy just to bury him. But he is such a good kid. And all the, and his teammates love him. The media loves him. Yeah. I love him. Yeah. <laughs> All I want to do is see that guy smile, you know? <laughs> He's a, it's a little bit of a man crush. Yeah, I understand. The fact, God, the fact of the matter is he can light my hopes and dreams on fire for three quarters, and then during the fourth quarter turn into the Terminator, and I turn that TV off and say... Boy, that Mitch Trubisky—he's got potential. Yeah, he's Joe Montana all over again. <laughs> so it's like Lucy, Lucy with Charlie Brown and the freaking uh, freaking football. You yes, know? yes. Trubisky's gonna keep suckering me into it for an entire year. I'm gonna love it, but I'm never gonna give up hope. Right. Because that guy deserves the best. 
Hey, and just like Charlie Brown, just keep on trying to kick it, right? It's a good team, by the way. Here, definitively, football predictions. Why are we underestimating the Bears? They went 12-4 and four a couple years ago. They went 8-8 eight and eight last year. We're acting like they were a 4-12 and 12 team. Right. They got better. If Robert Quinn comes back healthy and Trubisky doesn't keep, you know, shooting himself in the foot, tall order I know, right. that team should be protected to the win division, yes. to win the division. Tell the media to shut up. I do not believe in the Vikings. I, or, I don't believe in the Vikings. I, I still have hope on Aaron Rodgers. Detroit is going to Detroit. And, yep. yes, you're absolutely right. How's your team looking? Uh, the Raiders are, we won our game one. We got the Saints on Monday night. And a home opener in Vegas, so whoo, I'm a little nervous. But we have some nice, we have some nice receiving core. Um, we got Henry Ruggs, we got Brian Edwards, we got Hunter Renfro. You know, so I'm just looking forward to these guys just continuing. My prediction is we're going to have the best set of receivers in the next for the next ten years. I don't see why not. I, I like largely what um, Maycock's doing. Yes. Some uh, us doing. I didn't truly understand why they gave up on Lynn Bowden so easily. Oh, Lord. Don't remind me of that. Oh. I don't really get that. Oh. I think the guy has a, a very good football mind. Yes. And I think the Saints are very vulnerable right now to getting to getting rocked by the Raiders. Yeah. I, that Buccaneers-Saints game was not pretty. No, it was not. No, it was not. Tom was not Brady. looking like Tom. Brady looked bad. His receivers looked out of sync. Gronk looked like he should still be on hosting game shows. Yeah, yeah. And the simple fact of the matter is that one team had a better defense than the other. You know, it wasn't even like Elvin Elvin Kamara ran all over them. Right. So the Raiders' defense is actually impressing me a little bit. It's 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 getting there. It's it's getting there. You know, I'm 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 opti- I'm optimistic about it. You know, but back to Lynn Bowden. I can see I, him in Miami, him and Tua doing some amazing things in Miami, and that's going to hurt my heart. They say, um, what I was reading was Las Vegas was a little bit too much for him. He was more concerned about buying cars than studying the playbook. Oh, you know, I could see that. But you, you sent him to South Beach? <laughs> yeah, even worse, right? Right. I see a little uh, Cordero Patterson in Lynn Bowden. Yes. Just where teams are going to struggle to figure out what to do with him. Yes, he for played about three or four years. He played quarterback, wide receiver, and running backs. And and when you have a player like that, it, it, you can just move him around all over the place. But but I think I think uh, I mean the nightlife's not a great idea. But yeah. at the same time, uh, it's not like Miami's right on the beach. That stadium's actually right in the retirement community. So right. hopefully they can get him. Get him next to some really nice, well-mannered 65-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> On golf carts. We'll pin him down. Definitely, definitely. But like you said, there's there's a lot to like. You have my guy, Nick Kukowski. Oh, yes. I love him. He got hurt, but I love him. Yeah, if he can, I mean, he keeps getting hurt in the same place, which right. scares me. Right. It's uh, these uh, solar plexus, middle-of-the-body mm-hmm. injuries. If that dude stays healthy, he's going he's gonna to produce. Yes. Nobody realizes how good he is. Uh, Jonathan Abram just destroys I, people. I, I love Jonathan Abram. I love Josh uh, Jacobs. You know, Josh Jacobs like you said, Mayock has been hitting on these drafts. Like, like yes. I, I hope Cleveland Farrell turns it around. But Max Crosby, I, I, I have a man crush on him. Plus, <laughs> here's one guy I'm not going to give up on that multiple teams have already given up on, Zay Jones. Oh, okay, the receiver, yep. I watched that dude in college. Mm. He caught everything. Okay. My comparison to him actually coming out of school was Anthony Miller, who's going to show out this year for my Bears. Yes. 
that dude had the best hands in college football. Mm. But more to the point, while um, Anthony Miller was a big play pose- uh, uh, receiver, Zay Jones was a possession guy. I don't understand why he hasn't figured it out. I don't see why he can't be like a Wes Walker, Julian Edelman, move the chains guy. Right. But I really think if he gets the right coaching staff to just get it through his head that that dude can still play, he'll play. And maybe he'll never figure it out. We've heard this story before, but it's still only his fourth year. You know, he's 25 years old. He only not takes one injury, one injury to get him with a nice quarterback in Derek Carr and him you know, him to discover something about himself. Definitely, definitely. I was pleased to see Big Ben back as well. I'm happy to see that. Um, God, Ben Roethlisberger is so fun because he does that thing where every time something goes wrong, he pretends he's injured. Right. (laughs) And he sells it really well because you're like, oh my God, he shattered his elbow. Right. I'm like, Jesus, somebody somebody wheel him off. And then, you know, he's back in two possessions throwing at 30 yards. Exactly. And and hobbling while he's going over to the sideline. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hey, Sean. Oh, oh, the humanity. I uh, know, right? Hey, man, I, I know you're moving. You're still out on that East Coast. I know you, yep. you, your folks are still like, Sean, hurry up and get back down to move this couch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a broken man, I tell you. I, I understand get, I can't that. I can't get up anymore. Go get an ice bath. Go get an ice bath, Sean. <laughs> well, dude, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Hey, thank you so much, buddy. We'll see you again next week. Take care. Thanks again, Sean, for coming in and hanging out with me today. Uh, I really appreciate you. You can follow us on Instagram at FrontOfficeGM. Hope everyone stays safe. We're going to talk baseball next time because Major League Baseball's playoffs are going to be starting. Anyway, I'm about to watch this Lakers-Denver Game 1. This series should be exciting. Everybody, keep loving each other. Stay safe out there. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.